Welcome to the Content That Grows podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Eric Doty. Eric is the full-time content lead at Doc, a seed stage B2B SaaS startup. He's been the first marketing hire and solo marketer in his last three roles, carving out a niche for himself as a one-man content band responsible from, for everything from strategy to hitting publish and everything in between. Uh, Eric, excited to be uh, chatting with you today about being a one-person marketing team at a startup. Thanks, Nate. It's really exciting when you read that back to me. I feel much more yeah. important than I than I normally feel. <laughs> yeah, right on. No, I, I think it's going to be great. I think it's um, a really cool and unique thing. Uh, we were chatting a little before we got started. I had the opportunity to be uh, first marketer, solo marketer uh, once in my career, and I've certainly known a lot of folks in the similar boat, but um, really cool to be able to kind of chat through some of your shared experiences across doing that multiple times. So um excited to to dive in there so uh with that i think just to, i guess kind of teeing that up like uh what would you say are some of the common themes uh or experiences that you had across your three times now as a solo marketer yeah i think i think the there's sort of two sides of the coin as as a solo marketer you would expect there's so much to do and that's a double-edged sword in that on one hand you get experience doing so many different things that you wouldn't get to do if you were in a larger marketing team. Like it was never that appealing to me to be in a 10 person marketing team where you have like a product marketer, two product marketing specialists, content marketer, two writers, because then yeah. you get pigeonholed, pigeonholed into one thing. Uh, whereas when you're a solo marketer, even if you're more like content leaning, like I am, you normally have to touch on lots of other things. You learn email marketing, you learn social media marketing, you yeah. learn sort of everything under the sun. You normally have a specialty, but you'll get a really wide range of experiences and you're, you're just constantly uncomfortable getting thrown into situations you've never been in before. Um, the flip side to that, the challenge is um, you, that you can't do it all and that you can't compare yourself to other marketing teams. Like we, when marketers, we look often to social media or whatever to see examples of other companies doing it well. And yep. those companies normally have 50 people doing the work that you're trying to do. So you have to get really comfortable really quickly with not being able to do it all um, and, and knowing like what to prioritize, what, what lanes to go after. Um, so that's, that's sort of like the, the pro and con to it. Yeah, that's awesome. So to build on that, I think uh, would love to, you just mentioned um, because you have less resources and it's, you know, can be challenging to compare, but the, the importance of prioritization. So I'd love to maybe just dig in a bit more there. And, um, like, how do you, how do you, uh, approach prioritize, how do you approach prioritizing work <laughs> and yeah. opportunities as a one mar person marketing team? Yeah. Um, maybe before I get on that, I'll, I'll just touch too quickly on in terms of being a one person team, you also have to get very good at managing external help. Like yeah. if you're going to have any type of content strategy that gets off the ground, you're probably going to be working with either agencies or freelancers. So part of the prioritization question is what are you doing yourself and what are you going to outsource? And yeah. then sort of within those things, what are, what are the biggest priorities uh, to focus on. So I think in terms of prioritization, it's the same as any marketing team. It's like, you know, what does the business strategy dictate in terms of, um, you know, what are going to be the highest lever channels for you? So yeah. um, for example, like at, at Doc, 
um, where we, we have our, our founder and we have one salesperson doing sales, um, they immediately highlight to me, like, we need case studies. Uh, customers, you know, are, are keep asking us for examples of other customers and we don't have them. So can you prioritize that? So, yeah. so a lot of it is still going to come sort of from external feedback from inside your company. Um, and, and otherwise like your business model is going to dictate your, your content strategy. Right. So, um, yeah. like at, at doc, for example, we're a fairly low price product. It's like $50 a user. So if we want to become a billion dollar company, we're going to need traffic in the hundreds of thousands one day. So that's right. a sign to us like, okay, we need to do SEO. Like it's a non-starter, even if it's not going to pay off this year, it's going to pay off two, three, 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, so, so it's like those kind of business factors help me prioritize what, like what channels we want to focus on, for example. Yep. Um, and then sort of within that, like, it, like personally, my strategy is to lean into what I'm good at versus like what I'm doing in house and what I'm outsourcing. So, um, you know, I'm uniquely good. I'm, I'm from the SEO blog world. Like I've, I've always lived there. I've been doing that for 10 years from now. It's, it's just going to go way better for me than if I suddenly try to do YouTube or or video or something that I'm less good at. Like, I'm sure I could do those things. I'm sure they would also benefit our business, but I'm just going to like sticking to your personal wheelhouse, even though you are pushed outside your comfort boundaries you're just going to get way better results faster. Right. And, and you're going to get more value for your money too. If I tried to outsource those things, I'd have to pay a lot to, to get the same quality that I know I can do in house. Right. Yes. Versus yes. other things like administrative stuff or, or um, like video, for example, or editing a podcast, that's going to take me forever. I'm, I'm not adding value. It's better for right. me to outsource that. So it's, it's always that sort of like time cost analysis and weighing your skill into and, um, so yeah, it's like a whole mess of factors, but that's, that's how I think of it. Yeah, I think it's great. And if I can kind of build on that, I guess, for anyone who's listening and thinking about that, just from my, uh, experience as the first marketer at Sprout, like that was very similar to what you're, sh- you're sharing. There was my deepest skill set was in SEO. Uh, and I had done a good amount of paid search and some other stuff. And so, um, Paid search, I think, was a bit of a priority there. Like, we had good traction. There was a lot of, you know, opportunity and intent. And so we were sort of capitalizing on that. But by the time it got to where it was taking over half of my my time, you know, each month, really, um, to manage paid search, and it was a pretty clear-cut channel, it was like, hey, let's bring someone on to do this full-time who's more specialized here and allow me to keep owning some of the more complex parts uh, but to your point, we did also leverage um, some outsourced uh, help, you know, with contractors uh, early on and just kind of built over time. But to your point, kind of understanding what's the business need and also where were my personal strengths and where could I add the most value? Uh, and so I think that that makes a lot of sense that that's uh, the path you've taken to. Um, sure. One other thing to to add to that, I guess, was that um, you mentioned sort of the, the business model and what you know works. Um, and I think there's you know a unique factor as well, uh, reading a bit more about uh, sort of the origins of of Doc and your CEO and kind of how he came into it. Um, and he was really bought into content from the start. Um, so yeah. I'd love to just kind of hear your perspective of kind of coming into the company in a role focused on content, knowing like this, you know, 
the CEO prioritized it as a very early hire for the company, uh, was committed to it even before you started. Uh, just like what impact does that have on your work? Uh, and also just how does that compare to potentially some of your prior experiences? Yeah, for sure. It, it's an especially unique situation because I was actually freelancing as a writer for Doc for nine months before I started. Cool. <laughs> so I, I was essentially the content person well before too. And so I already yeah, had cool. a working. So Alex is the name of our CEO. As you mentioned, he, he was a product marketer at Lattice, um, ended up as their VP of marketing. And so it's very different working for a CEO or, or just a leader in general who buys into content marketing versus someone that you have to constantly convince. Um, like one of the benefits for me is that we, you normally have to, before you start like a new campaign or a big project or you're trying to get budget for something, you normally have to go through this whole process of explaining yourself, trying to explain the ROI, like every, every marketer has been there. Right. And then you get the, like, how is blogging actually going to like, how soon can we, will the, the needle be moved? Right. Um, when you have a CEO who's already seen it work, whether they're a marketer or not, you don't have to spend all that time convincing them. So there isn't that huge time suck. There isn't that huge, like emotional drain of, you know, going into my job every day being like, okay, half of this is selling someone on it. Um, because I think leadership's job should be to set a direction for you and help you set your priorities, not to like restrict what you work on or tell you what to do. Right. So with, with Alex, I can come to him and say, Hey, I have options ABC. I'm leaning towards option B based on what you know about the company strategy and where you want to take these things. Where do you think I should focus my time and him having the marketing knowledge, he, he has a better like gut feel in relation to like the future of the company and what's going to work and what's going to not. Um, and that's a way, that's just such a different relationship than, than going to a leader who might not know anything about marketing and having to like, okay, SEO, like, so there's this thing called Google, right? Like <laughs> the conversations are just right. so different. It, it ends up more like a partnership where you're like riffing on ideas and shooting things back and forth. And it feels more like a peer than like a boss you have to convince. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think you um, highlighted a really interesting point there, which is it's not that you have like uh, just free reign, open field, like do whatever you no. want to do with content because I'm bought in. Like there's still guardrails, there's still direction. You're still getting that feedback on on uh, which things to prioritize. But ultimately, it's just you ha- you're going downstream versus yeah. trying to go upstream. Yeah. And the other benefit too, is that Alex or our CEO really wants to be involved in the content process. Like he, so I think having a CEO who's willing to do thought leadership and willing to do social media and all that is going to move the needle way faster than doing it from like a brand page, but yep. you, you can't fake that for your CEO. I mean, some people try or they do ghostwriting and that can work to a certain extent, but I yep. think, I think the leader really has to be bought into it. And um, so, so saying him coming to me and saying, Hey, I want to do a podcast and I'm going to be the host. Like, great. Perfect. Like that takes so much, <laughs> yeah. that takes so much like content weight off of my plate to, yeah. to have someone who's bought into that. And yeah, I'll, I'll say too, I've had the flip scenario where I've had a CEO who knows and gets marketing and, or maybe even a couple. And instead of playing that like helpful guardrails role, like you talked about, they, they do like the come in and drop something on your plate where they say, I, I thought of an idea. 
drop everything and work on this now. And yeah. that can be a really challenging scenario, um, you know, even just emotionally or m- motivationally yeah, to know that, yeah. yeah, anything you work on could just go up the, like go in the garbage any, any second. So th- there's yeah. a, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but I think right, right now I found a really nice situation. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to preface this, that I am asking you a question that very easily could get in. It depends answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we'll try to avoid that. Uh, maybe okay. um, you know, my fault for, for asking it this way, but um, like any thoughts on channels or content formats that you you think like doesn't make sense for like an early stage or seed stage uh, SaaS company? Yeah, I do think it's an it depends answer, but I always say this to our writers who are uh, like freelance writers who are writing blogs. I'm like if you say it depends, that's fine, but you have to say it on what and then follow it up. So I'm going to do that. Uh, So uh, flipping your question, like what I think always tends to work pretty well. I think when you're at a seed stage, I think thought leadership, you you have to start there. You like, you kind of have to put your flag down and say, this is what we believe in as a company. I think the build in public approach works really well. Um, I think like sort of meta content about here's how we're going about building our company or, or yep. um, you know, Alex did interviews on like our content strategy when we started out. Um, I think being like, like I said before, the CEO being really active on social is, is always going to be a strong play. You build advocates that are rooting for you rather than people who just see you as a company that's going to succeed right. or fail. It's more like people want to throw themselves behind a cause and a person. So yep. I think all those channels really do well in terms of what companies shouldn't do. I think it goes back to the sort of business model um, company strategy uh, is, and I'll give an example. So when I was at Butter, I came in and was like, I'm an SEO guy. I'm a blog guy. Let's do, um, let's do blogging. But so Butter is a, it's a Zoom alternative and it's, it's meant for a more niche audience. It's meant for people who run really interactive workshops or people who need like really high audience engagement during uh, like a call or a webinar or something. And so it was, the challenge was more so, the product was amazing. And the challenge was more so finding the product market fit, like finding people who would pay for it. So mm-hmm. it's like bright yellow and there's lots of emojis. So it's very easy to get attention. So it wasn't, so I came in like, okay, here's my acquisition play. Uh, here's how we're gonna do SEO. Here's how we're gonna do social. But it turns out that that was really easy. Like it was a pretty viral product and it was a waste of content efforts to put our focus there. The the leaky bucket, so to speak, was activation and retention. So it's easy to get people to use the product once. It's harder and, and for them to say, I love this, this is really cool, harder to get them to master it and pay for it. So yeah. I came in thinking I would focus on SEO, but what I really need to do with content was uh, like tutorials walkthroughs, like onboarding sequences, things like that needed to be a higher content priority. So I would say, you know, sort of, you have to figure out as the, as the content lead or person leading the content strategy, like where's, where's your first sort of leaky bucket that you can survive through, you know, if, if you're pre series a, like you have to, yeah, you have to last it a year, two years and you, you have to bring people in. So, um, whereas at doc, there's been there's there's more stickiness to the product like people see it and it clicks like um so 
summarize really quickly, Doc is like a, a sales workspace or an onboarding workspace where you can just throw in all of your assets for during the sales process or the onboarding process for a prospect. It, it basically just simplifies the experience of working with a salesperson, getting all the information you need in one place rather than like long email threads, like here's my proposal, here's yeah. here's a pricing quote, here's 20 files that you have to send into your company. Doc just puts it all on a nice landing page for you. Um, we had like a viral, we see viral loops where one customer uses Doc to sell to somebody else and they say, wow, this is really nice. I want to use this. Then their sales right. team uses it, etc. And so that buys us the short-term growth that like we have, you know, we're in the hundreds of customers right now. Um, but you know, eventually that, that that's exponential growth, but therefore long-term with content, we're thinking more, or we're, we're thinking of content as a longer term play. So how are we going to get those millions of page views a month? We have to focus on SEO. So I think it's, really roundabout answer of what content formats work and what don't, but I think it's learning your product or your business model and, and being flexible and adapting to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a great answer. And, and I would agree um, that there's that priority there. Like the, maybe the short answer is the, the channels or formats that don't align to what's actually needed to help kind of move your company to that next stage. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I think that's, I think we kind of see a lot of folks who sort of just paint with very broad brush strokes that like SEO takes at least 12 months and, you know, content marketing it was just a long-term investment and like, like, sure. I mean, uh, you know, the 12 months thing, I'm always like, well, what, what do you expect in 12 months? Like, you know, any traction? Like, no, you'll see that way before 12 months, but like, uh, you know, flourishing revenue generating program like sure that'll that'll take longer uh and so i think that's a great point to just kind of call out like understanding the uniqueness of of the business and the stage and where you think you can make the most impact versus just blanketly saying we're committed to content it's long term and we don't care if it does anything for the business for yeah. you know years i think that's that's a great answer yeah for um sure. So, uh, kind of wrapping up on this section, um, you know, what advice would you give to other solo marketers, uh, that are interested in putting more emphasis on content marketing and then just generally kind of anything else you would want to add on this topic? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, so I guess your question is about solo, solo marketers who maybe they're leading a marketing strategy and they, they feel like they need, you know, maybe they're focusing too much on paid or, or something like that. And they want to put more emphasis into content. I think, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, um, one piece of advice is to build content, content allies within your organization. So the idea being that you can't just sort of decide one day, like I'm going to do content marketing and, do it by yourself and do it successfully within a larger company, you have to get buy-in within the company for it to work. Partially because you need the subject matter expertise from those around you to make the content interesting or worth reading. Um, secondly, is that if you don't get that buy-in, it's gonna be just a constant fight for budget or just advocating for it, like I was talking about before. Yep. So like one thing I do is to sort of be my own 
advertiser of all the content we're doing. So anytime we publish something, I share it in a public Slack channel. Anytime I have an idea, I put it in a public Slack channel and I, I use that and that sends through to my Airtable of ideas, but mm-hmm. it may creates a touch point where other people see how I'm thinking about content. Um, I engage in other people's channels and say, ooh, this would be a great idea for a piece. So if our salesperson, uh, he, he'll, uh, Andy will, will post a recording of a customer call and I'll say, wow, it was really interesting that the customer said this. I'd love to write something about that. And then what you do is you're connecting content to the things that other people care about, right? Um, yep. Or our, our product team, they're, they're talking about, um, you know, we added this new feature and I say, wow, that would be great for a piece about X, Y, Z. So yep. you're basically, you live in the other people's world and communicate with them in their channels so that they can buy in what you're doing in, in your channels. Um, and, and it's like a long-term, it's like networking, basically. It's like a long-term play <laughs> within your own company. But um, if, cause if you don't get that buy-in, then, you know, you then all of a sudden are saying, okay, I've been doing content marketing for three months and we have 200 page views. Uh, how is this worth our time? Yep. You need, you need people to see that what you're doing has value, like just in, in and of itself. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great advice. And, um, I think a lot of your depth of your experience comes through in that answer. There's a lot of, uh, experience and wisdom with that. So I think that's, that's great advice. Yeah. You can um, tell that I've had to <laughs> spend many hours yeah. just arguing for my own existence. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very valid. Um, and I, I think just even just the pretty practical tips there on, um, you know, how to even just do that in Slack, you know, like not just generally saying, you know, convince others or, or campaign or, or, you know, connect people, but like, there's some good practical stuff there. So appreciate that for sure. Um, yeah. So we'll kind of shift in and, uh, get into the, um, kind of what we call like final four, just the same four questions we ask everyone. Um, so we'll start off as always with, would love to just understand like a recent success or learning that you'd like to share. Yeah, for sure. I'll share two quick ones. So one was how much leveraging our employees, personal brands has boosted visibility for doc. So I've been posting about content marketing. I don't talk about doc that much, but once I started doing that, our like social followers, traffic, et cetera, all went up. Our founder also posts about it, like being a founder and even our designer will just share, here's a new thing I've been working on. And mm-hmm. we end up on websites for landing page examples. We end up on like people's, um, like design blogs and things like that. And all of those things add up, especially when you're a startup, just to get eyeballs on your business. So like we've seen way more success doing social as ourselves than, than as the company, even if it's not directly related to our product. So that's, that's a quick one. A big learning for me, especially as a solo marketer, when I transition from like writer to person leading the content is how important it is to publish fast or quickly rather than perfect. I have a huge content standard for myself of what quality looks like, but you'll get yourself bogged down so quickly. If you're trying to publish 10 blogs a month, 20 blogs, a hundred blogs a month, it's not that your, your standards have to lower necessarily, but you have to learn like at some point, like, okay, I've spent X amount of time on it. Just hit publish. When, when this blog gets a million views two years from now, I will yeah. take it from like 80% good enough to hundred percent good enough. Right. And so yeah. that yeah. F- you can't survive unless you are, 
uh, being fast. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I'm wondering one thing, which means there's probably at least one other person listening who's wondering it too. Um, how much, you know, as a, like the the solo content lead, um, like how much are you typically publishing in a month? Yeah, so we have fairly ambitious goals given that I'm just one person. So we we expect about eight long form blog posts a month. So it's about two a week, but they're they're yeah. outsourced um, mostly. We also do like product release blogs and thought leadership things in house. That's maybe two or three a month. Uh, I also try to do like one or two case studies in house a month. Um, and now we're trying to launch a podcast and a newsletter. Yeah. So <laughs> it's basically the, the, the cadence we're trying to build is launch one channel, like blog, for example, in-house, do it for three, four months, try to figure out how to optimize it, how to do it faster, find better freelancers, et cetera. And then suddenly it gets like the time you spend on it gets less and less and less. And then you can introduce another channel. But we're yeah. not, what we're not doing is spreading ourselves thin across four channels to start we're like okay we'll nail one perfect now that's working let's do another one yep yep very smart um and then this is probably answered already in some of the prior conversation but sure uh you know for your company what role does content play in the overall strategy yeah i think we've talked about this a bit i can do a quick hit version of this yeah. so so we we do have the product-led growth strategy as our core, which means that there's a free trial of our product. So people will just come in as, um, yeah, as free trials into doc. And then we have like a sales assist there. So we have a salesperson come in who reaches out to the free trials. Um, and so content is mostly playing like an acquisition role to some degree. We're, we're also supporting that sales process. So we have case studies we have, we're starting to get more into like ROI arguments and, um, you know, competitor analysis and stuff like that. Sure. Um, we also do have paid, we do paid ads to a degree as well. We actually use some of our organic content in our paid strategy, which I think is kind of a fun play on LinkedIn. Like if we have a post that does really well and it, it has hundreds of likes, we'll also pay to promote it because it, it feels more like natural organic content than an ad. And we've seen that play work really well. So it's a bit of like an, it's in the ecosystem of sales and acquisition. And um, yeah. yeah, we don't, we don't do that much in terms of um, uh, like we have pretty one-on-one -on -one onboarding right now with our founder, our founder or our salesperson. So content's not doing that much in terms of like uh, educating people on the product once they're in there. But that, that will definitely be more of a play once we have more customers. Yeah, build up the onboarding and customer marketing side later. Yeah, makes sense. For sure. Cool. Uh, and like, how, how do you guys define success? Like, what are the things you're looking at for you and the team to kind of yeah. get you on the right track and make decisions? Yeah, right now, um, we, we sort of, we anticipate what would be the biggest challenge for me. And that is going to be output, right? In terms of being a one person team, I'm just going to be a bottleneck for things to happen. So rather than focusing on, I think when you set goals for yourself, it's about guiding your behavior. So what do we want to guide my behavior? We want there to be lots of output. <laughs> so yeah. to incentivize me who overthinks things and takes too long to hit publish, 
our our definition of success is how often are we publishing so rather than especially because we're in this first like six months of our content strategy it would be a waste of time to look at the little traffic line like yeah our traffic goes up every month and that's great but it's not telling me anything about how i should change what i'm working on right um and there's some things that aren't going to pay off yet. So we define success in terms of like, did I publish eight blogs this month? Did I post on social 20 times? And that could be, if, if we didn't have strong gut feel that we're doing the right tactics, then that could be problematic. Like I could see someone working for another company where they're like, write two posts a week. And that's a really horrible way of motivating mm-hmm. that person or measuring success. But for us, we we feel like we know what channels are going to work because we just both have 10 years marketing experience, et cetera, that um, output is going to be the strongest indicator of whether or not we have success. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. And in, in the last thing you just said there was the point I was going to make, which is I think that you're probably benefiting from the combined experience and sort of shared trust there yeah. uh, because yes, I think for a lot of folks, you know, when you make it a, an output thing, it becomes like quality thoughtfulness goes down and it just becomes this box to check. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably, probably a factor there for sure that you, you have the experience, Alex has the experience and you guys can, can build on that. Yeah. And I think when you, yeah. you end up with more senior content marketers, it's more about like putting a cap on their time rather than trying to elevate the quality. It's like, what, yeah. what is good enough? And so the way we do that is like, there has to be eight things published a month. So, yeah. you know, do with your time, what you will, but make sure that, that we're hitting that volume target. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, all right. And then last one is, you know, what's sort of the least favorite marketing conversation happening in social channels right now and why? Yeah, I'm, I'm like a, I was, I was big on Twitter before. And so I, I'm like, I always have my gripes to social media and like, I, you know, I think the will AI or will AI not overcome content marketers? Like I, I think that conversation has been beaten to death. I like, I've seen the same advice, like create once repurpose forever. Like there's, there's a lot of these conversations that I feel like somehow content marketers have there's like thousands of people and they're all having the same two or three conversations. And I think like, that's not actually how we learn or improve in our jobs. And I think maybe what I'd like to see more of and what I'm trying to do on my own social channels now is like try to just give really tactical advice and examples of how I actually do my job. Like here's, here's what my air table setup looks like. Here's what a good, here's what my content brief looks like. Um, what do your content briefs look like? Because I think there's lots of marketers like marketing courses to other marketers, or there's freelancers talking about how wealthy they are to sell courses to other freelancers. And I I would love there to be more discourse between like the people in the weeds doing their job, like not trying to sell things to each other. Cause I I think there's this benefit of helping. Like it benefits your career. You end up on podcasts like this. Um, just like, here's how I do this work. And it, I've had a lot of like positive feedback from that just by being like, here's how I do my job. And there's, there's sort of no motive behind it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think, I think more content marketers, the point I'm trying to make should feel confident just like sharing the, their tactics of 
what they're working on and you will see personal benefits in many different forms and your company will see all kinds of benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's just genuine too, you know, yes. uh, versus sort of, there's just sort of a mental tax for people when they see something and have to be like, is this real? Did you like fake this chart? Are you just kind of reposting stolen content? Like, um, but I think there's a lot of that authenticity that comes through in sort of like, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I do it. And just sort of opening the, opening the book a bit on that. Yeah, for sure. Or even here's what I'm struggling with and here's how I'm thinking about it, but you just get good feedback. Like I, I think social should be more social and less broadcasty mm. is, is I think what it's turned into. And yeah, so yeah. that's my yeah. Uh, old man gripe. Yeah. No, <laughs> love it. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Anything else you wanted to, to add before we wrap up? I think I've talked so much. Um, <laughs> I guess if, if people want to follow me on LinkedIn, it's Eric Doty. I've been trying to post every day or two with content marketing advice. Uh, I won't sell you anything, uh, at least not, <laughs> not in the short term. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you should be a solo content marketer. It's really fun and challenging and it'll grow your career in really unexpected ways. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Eric, for coming on. Um, if you uh, enjoyed this episode and want to check out others, visit 10speed.io slash podcast. Uh, like and subscribe on the platforms of your choice to get future episodes. And uh, yeah, thanks, Eric, for joining. It was a lot of fun chatting about this today. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Nate. Everyone hit smash those subscribe buttons. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Cheers. <laughs>